Okay, it is now 6 o'clock p.m. and this study session of the Sunnyvale Planning Commission is now called to order. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to remind planning commissioners of some procedural items for this meeting. Uh, during the meeting, planning commissioners and participants should remain muted when not speaking. If commissioners or participants have a question or comment, please use the raise hand feature. Speakers will be called upon to speak one at a time. Uh, this Planning Commission study session is being conducted using teleconferencing and electronic means. It's allowed by Government Code Subdivision 54953E and Resolution Number 1089-21, RIA from February 7th, 2023. Members of the public may provide audio public comment by connecting to the teleconference meeting online or by telephone. Use the raise hand feature to request to speak. That's star nine on a telephone. Automatically cap. Automatically generated captions are available to viewers accessing this meeting via Zoom. Captions can be displayed or hidden using the live transcript button. Teleconference meeting details are available on the Planning Commission meeting agenda. Uh, city staff, may we please have the roll call? Commissioner Howe? Present. Commissioner Howard? Present. Commissioner Cerrone? Present. Chair Pine? Present. Commissioner Shukla? Present. Commissioner Wise. Present. We have six commissioners present and, and Vice Chair Iglesias' absence is excused. Thank you. <coughs> and we, so, study, so study session item, our first item is uh, item A, 23-0392, proposed project related applications on a 1.88 acre site special development permit to demolish existing office building and construct a seven-story mixed-use development project, building 172 rental residential units and 142,270 square feet of office space. This is at 1154 Sonora Court which is in the Lawrence Station area plan. Is there a staff report? Um, yes, we do have a staff report. So we actually have a common staff report for both these applications because it's owned by the same property owner and it's in the vicinity. Um, uh, uh, Commissioner Howe, sorry, Commissioner Howe. Thank you. I'd like to state on the record that I met with a um, member of the applicant um, previous to this meeting. Commissioner Howard? Commissioner Thank you, uh, Chair. Commissioner Howard also met with the applicant. Commissioner Cerny? And I also met with the applicant. Commissioner Weiss? I also met with the applicant. And I also met with the applicant. Uh, uh, <laughs> so one question I was actually going to, I actually just kind of want to jump in and ask right now is, since these are two separate, and this this is to, Staff, this may be to Rebecca. Uh, since this, since there's the two items are separate, even though they do have a shared applicant and a lot of shared considerations, do we still have to take them separate? I think we do. We, I think we do have to take them separately since they're agendized separately. Uh, yeah, I I would think so because there could I I don't know. I mean, it's probably unlikely, but there could be someone who is waiting to six thirty. Um, because they were agendized separately. Okay, yeah, so that, that's my that would thoughts. be the concern. So, so just everybody keep that in mind when you're proceeding with 
this item works. So we're right now we're on 1154 Sonora. Uh, anyway, please proceed with the staff report. Chair, if I may real quick, we were just trying to be efficient, just trying yeah. to present um, both sites together, but uh, also think... we'll go through each project individually yeah. after we give kind of the broad overview first. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I definitely, like I get where you're coming from because these are, these aren't next to each other, but they're almost next to each other. But like, I, I'm just trying to make sure we don't do a Brown Act violation or some other agenda issue. Understood. Thanks, Chair. Hi. So, good evening, Commissioners. My name is Aska Vashishta. I'm project planner for both these applications, which are at 1154 and 1170 Sonora Court. Next slide, please. So these applications, uh, both these lots, they have the same property owner and the applicant, and these are existing industrial uh, lots that are proposed for redevelopment. And the, these applications, they require special development permit and also a development agreement, which is subject to approval by city council. Now, in total, both these sites, uh, they are proposing 220,000 square feet of office area and 277 square feet of rental units, including 44 below market rate units. Uh, both these sites, they are not contiguous, but they are um, they are separated by one lot. Um, and both of these will have um, seven story buildings with two underground parking levels. And the overall proposed building height would be around 84 feet. Next, please. So these sites, they have a general plan designation of transit mix use and transit mix use, it allows a variety of uses and densities and they are near mass transit facilities, like in this case, it's uh, Lawrence Caltrain Station. Um, the it's also within the specific plan, Lawrence Station Area Plan, which was um, adopted back in 2016 and it was updated relatively recently in 2021. And it was to guide development near Lawrence um, Caltrain Station. The zoning for these sites is flexible mixed use one with Sonora Port combining district overlay. Um, and this zoning, it allows a mix of high density residential and office uses. It also encourages uh, retail use. Um, and these uh, zoning are for properties that are located north of the Caltrain rail tracks and they are relatively smaller compared to the um, sites that are located to the south and the average area of these sites is around 1.2 acres. Now this zoning, it allows a base density of 54 dwelling units per acre uh, plus LSA Lawrence Station Area Plan also has an incentive program that allows developers to um, obtain um, densities that are beyond the base. They, they can um, they can go above the base level by providing some community benefits. And as part of that program, they can have an additional density of 26 dwelling units for residential. For office, the base floor area ratio is 35% and maximum is 150%. Um, anything, any uh, project that goes above 35% floor area ratio requires a development agreement that's subject to city council approval. So that's why these projects they have an FAR exceeding 35% and they require a development agreement. Um, next, please. So looking at the neighborhood itself, as we uh, talked about, it's north of Caltrain. 
rail tracks, um, and these are two separate lots. One one five four, um, it has area of one point eight eight acres, and the smaller lot is around one point zero eight acre. Uh, the lot at one one seven zero, it's next to the Lawrence Station, uh, Caltrain Station. And the applicants are also providing, um, proposing, they're proposing a connection, a pedestrian connection that will be publicly accessible that will help in connecting Sonora Port with the station. Um, so this neighborhood in general, it's pretty industrial in nature. It's mostly one story industrial building with surface parking lots. One of the key feature of this neighborhood are the mature cedar and redwood trees. And the applicant has worked on preserving most of these trees, except they are proposing removal of one redwood tree on each of this side. And that's for the driveway. And it was based on recommendation by the city's traffic division. Um, next, please. So here's a look at the overall streetscape elevation. Once you know everything is developed along Sonora Court, Next to 1170, which is the smaller of the lot, is 1178 Sonora, which was approved by Planning Commission back in 2021. And they were approved for 176 affordable units. This project right now is under building plan check. Next, please. And here, this elevation, it shows the um, streetscape from Caltrain rail tracks. Next, please. So talking about the bigger of two sides, um, uh, one one five for Sonora, as we mentioned, it's around one point eight eight acres um, in area, and they're proposing a density of sixty one dwelling units, and they are um, proposing to get the seven incentive points by providing below grade parking. They're proposing a total of one seventy two units here. That's a mix of studio, one bedroom, and two bedroom rental units. And it would include 28 below market rate units. Uh, the office area, it's around 142,000 square feet office areas proposed here. That would result in 173% FAR for the office. Um, on Lawrence Station area plan, it encourages um, uh, sharing the parking spaces. Um, as it helps in better utilization of the parking spaces and also makes the project economically more feasible. So based on our zoning code and also the reduced um, uh, parking rate based on the state density bonus, they required 477 parking spaces and they're providing 352 shared parking spaces between the residential and office. Um, the applicants also submitted uh, a parking study which was prepared by Walker Consultant and based on the analysis, uh, the peak demand for parking on this site would be 346 spaces. Um, so the project is meeting uh, that peak demand, um, you know, uh, which was found through that study. Um, and they will also have valet service that would be during business hours. That's Monday to Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. They'll have valet and after the business hours, uh, all the parking spaces will be self-parked. In addition, this project, it will implement TDM program, transportation demand management program, both for residential and office spaces consistent with our requirements. Next, please. Now here's the site plan for the site. And uh, here we can see the entrance to residential and office lobby is along Sonora Court. Um, we also have some small usable open spaces for the office area on the first floor level. Towards the left-hand side is the driveway that would lead to uh, below-grade parking and also service areas that are along that side. 
to the other side is the emergency vehicle access. Uh, next, please. So there's the overall floor plan. So the parking is provided on two basements, level, level one, level two. Office area is provided on first, second, third level. On the first level, we also have the surface areas that are along the driveway. On uh, From fourth to seventh level, we have the residential. And on fourth level, there are also three separate usable spaces that would be for residential um, uh, use. And two of these spaces, they are oriented towards um, Caltrain rail tracks, and one of the space is oriented towards Sonora Woods. Next, please. So the proposed architectural style, it can be categorized as modern, and the applicant has used a combination of material, colors, wall offsets, projections um, to really articulate the building facade and have a well-defined building base, middle and top. We can see here the building base is defined with a combination of glazing, brick veneer, uh, the residential stories, which are fourth to seven story. They are defined by uh, projecting balconies, projections, and they will have cement panel finishing. The topmost floor level is set back and it will be finished with pattern cement siding. The building top is also well defined with projecting eaves that will have composite wood finish for the soffit area. Now the design also has a tower element that's next to the EVA axis and it's a seven story tower element finished with brick veneer. Next please. So here we have the front elevation. Here we can see the tower element uh, that helps in really defining the edge of this building on that side. We can also see the entrance lobby next to it and usable open space on the fourth floor level. The uh, the screen on the roof, it's also well integrated within the uh, project design. Next, please. So this is the elevation um, along the driveway approach that provides access to parking and also has service areas. On the upper level, we can see the projecting balconies um, helping articulating the facade. Next, please. This is the other side that's along the EVA axis. And here we can see this tower element wrapping around the corner and really helping in defining the corner. Uh, we can also see the projecting balconies here again that helps in really articulating the facade and breaking it into vertical models. Excuse me. Finally, we have this rear elevation. This is facing the Caltrain rail tracks and we can see the usable open space the usable open area would also have a six feet tall sound wall that will help reducing the noise levels. Next, please. Here's another view that shows the usable open space, and this is viewed from the Caltrain rail tracks. Next, please. Uh, this is a view from Sonora, and here we can see the tower element with the brick veneer finish along the edge. Next, please. This is a closer look at the entrance lobby, and we can also see the usable open space on the fourth floor level and the tower element. Next, please. And finally, we have this um, facade. This is from the EVA um, access area, and we can see these balconies and the glazing is helping uh, break uh, the facade into vertical, vertical modules. Next, please. So the project, it is using state density bonus to request concessions and waiver. They are requesting one concession and three waivers. 
the concession is for exceeding the office area and in the justification um, the applicant state that the office component will provide them higher returns than residential component and um, uh, they are requesting this concession to make the project financially more feasible. Uh, they're also requesting three waivers and it's from landscaping frontage requirement, the overall landscape area requirement and also distance of the individual units to trash enclosure. Staff is generally supportive of the waivers as um, because of the site layout, location, and also the preservation of mature trees along the street frontage. Next, please. So the project meets majority of the Lawrence Station Area Plan objective design guidelines, except these two. And these two specifically talk about having these 15 feet by 5 feet vertical modules. So although the project does not meet these guidelines, it meets the intent of the guideline as all these, you know, projections, balconies, materials, they do help in breaking the facade both horizontally and vertically. Next, please. So specifically for this project, we would request your feedback on the tower element. Uh, we recommend this tower element to have some sort of roof treatment on the top to make it more defined. We also recommend increasing the size of that window along the corner and also using a stronger color contrast to really you know, visually define uh, this art architectural element. Um, so this concludes the presentation for 1154 Sonora um, and we can proceed to the next one. Um, after if you have any feedback we can wait thank, thank you and we have a few questions from commissioners uh first up is commissioner weiss um thank you chair although most of my questions were answered when i met with the applicant um i have a few for for staff um one of them is i want to confirm that the fire retardant material that is used in the construction um, is is not carcinogenic should it burn because a lot of fire retardant material is. So has this been verified or we, or is a known safe fire retardant being used? Um. This is mentioned on, um, well, for for one of them, for 1154, it's mentioned on GA004. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, generally speaking, you know, it will be subject to the building and fire code requirements. So they'll have to meet all the requirements. Right. I, I realize it is not combustible, but that is not my question because... Over time, a lot of non-combustible materials are carcinogenic when they burn. Is there some sort of safety process or review process that assures this is not being used to treat the materials? Um, sure, that's that's not a detail that the planning staff usually gets into. It's it's something that's verified by uh, our building staff uh, during the plan check process. <laughs> So I'm not sure if we have that answer for you right now, but it's something that we can work with the applicant on just to make sure that's being addressed. Yeah, please. Um, and my second question is, I assume that at least the windows on the south side facing Caltrain tracks have um, extra soundproofing. They have extra, 
it might be so for the entire project, but at least those on the Caltrain side? Um, so yeah, so this, um, so our general plan also has guidelines for what the noise levels should be um, in the inside, so interior noise levels, and the project will be subject to that and they'll meet the requirements. And in their noise report, they do have recommendations for minimizing the noise level within the interior of the building. Okay, and not just the wall yeah. that's being put right. up between. Yeah, just the interior, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then sometime back when we were looking at the intuitive project um, for the campus, it was mentioned that they were putting a path through to Caltrain, could the Caltrain tracks. Um, is this going to coincide with, or is there any, are the paths coming together? Are they two separate paths to the Caltrain? Yeah, so uh, Commissioner, th these will be two separate paths. The one that Intuitive is putting in, that's part of one of the shared use paths identified in the, the LSAP sense of place plan. Right. And that would basically get you from Kiefer uh, out to Sonora Court at the uh, the cul-de-sac. Uh, so this would be, this is kind of a bonus uh, connection that the applicant is proposing. It wasn't envisioned in the LSAP plan because uh, it requires Caltrain's approval. Uh, but the applicant has been working with Caltrain to uh, propose a new path to get from uh, the site and Sonora Court to uh, the Caltrain uh, boarding uh, platform. So it'd be a, a great uh, shortcut if, if it uh, works out with Caltrain. Thank you. Those are all my questions for now. Thank you, Commissioner Weiss. Next up is Commissioner Howe. Thank you, Chair. <clears throat> Back in the, around 2008, the city council had a proposal that uh, rental housing would be built to the same standards as ownership housing, where there'd be separately metered utilities and different things like that. And that in the future, if it were, if they chose, they could actually sell some of the properties. Is that still the case? This is a question that I um, emailed to city staff um, either Thursday or Friday. Okay. Um, I, I didn't see the, the question commissioner, but you know, the, these are, these are identified as apartment buildings and they're not necessarily built to ownership standards, but the, the applicant might have some more information about that. Will they be separately metered for water and power? I, I don't have the answer to that question, but I mean, I believe it, it's be one meter and then it would be uh, the ownership of the uh, apartment management would assign billing to each unit. Uh, but the applicant would have more information as, as far as we don't know, it's not individual. If the applicant can ask, answer both of those questions, please, in the uh, presentation. Also, can we have some detail of what is on the path that's closest to Caltrain of what is being proposed. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Howe. Next up is Commissioner Cerrone. Uh, thank you, Chair, and uh, thanks for the uh, excellent presentation. Um, let's see, a couple questions. Uh, um, so under state law, is parking required this close to the train station? 
question first. That's that's one of the new changes. Uh, that's I believe AB two zero nine seven. That um, transit's not required for residential and commercial projects within a half mile yeah. of uh, the station. So um, that's one of the, the recent changes that that went to effect right, uh, right. in January. So there is no actual requirement for parking here. Yeah, there's there's certain uh, criteria that that you know needs to be met, but I think just generally, that's the case. That's just one of the things that came into effect while we were in the middle of reviewing this project. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and obviously, you know, there, there's reasons why they would would want and need parking, but just to be clear, and uh, so, what does that uh, if there's no parking required? Uh, is there any requirement for EV chargers? Yeah, so that's one of the provisions in the state law that the EV parking still is required. And, uh, you know, we would still be applying our, our reach codes here for the, the EV requirement. So it looked like uh, if I understood the drawings, uh, there are, are no EV chargers uh, proposed for the residential and only... Uh, in one case, uh, seven per two levels and three, just what is required for ADA for uh, EV charging. Is that right? It looks like conduit is there, but there are no, for example, no residential chargers uh, proposed. I guess we can ask the applicant if, if uh, but, but I'm, you know, wondering uh, what the requirement is, so. Uh, I think uh, the requirement is like 35% of the spaces should have uh, EV charging and that's for office. And these are shared spaces. I'm not exactly sure about the residential part. I'll have to double check, but the applicant yeah, may have further details. Okay, okay. And the uh, you mentioned the preservation of the trees, which is uh, certainly some beautiful trees on that, on that road. A lot of trees are being taken out. Um, I'm... Um, I guess I'm just curious about city policy. Some of them fairly mature, but not that there's any clear alternative, but um, uh, city policy, I guess, does not object to trees being taken out in this situation. They'd be under the building, so there's no choice. But um, So, yeah, for, for this project, the applicants are preserving most of the mature trees that are along the street frontage. They worked hard on that. They'll be removing one redwood tree, and that's that's required to be removed because of the driveway approach, and that's something which was recommended by the yeah. traffic division. Right, right. Uh, the um, just looking at the lead checklist, uh, which it, it seems like it's you know there's preliminary numbers and confirmed numbers, or I mean right now there's a lot of things that aren't met. Um, it kind of looks like they might be going for gold. Um, do do we expect that when this, uh, I assume this will come back to the planning commission at some point that that would be uh, more uh, complete? Uh, yeah, and also at the building permit stage, we really take a closer look at uh, those numbers yeah, and building looks at it closely. And uh, bike parking, uh, Yes, yeah, there's bike parking, which is proposed, I think, for this project. There are like 40 spaces, uh, 40 class one and some eight class two spaces, something like that. That's required, and they're meeting the requirements. 
And, uh, you know, I, I'm afraid I was unable to understand the uh, waiver relative to the landscape frontage. Uh, it says in the presentation four feet, um, but that can't be right, can it? Um, so, so the, yeah, so our requirement is that we need 15 feet uh, landscape frontage, and that frontage is counted from behind the sidewalk. So in this case, because they're trying to preserve these trees and have the sidewalks and everything, so they only have four feet frontage after the sidewalk. So that's why they're not meeting the requirements. Okay, all right. And uh, just uh, following up on the questions about uh, noise, I, I just, I happen to work for a number of years uh, right next to Caltrain just slightly down Kiefer Court, just, uh, you know, a little bit down from this. Uh, when uh, the trains would come over, uh, uh, if we had visitors, they thought it was an earthquake. Um, we were all used to it and didn't pay attention to it, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to wonder, and I guess we're going to ask, is anything being done to mitigate the, the vibration effect? Um, so not, yeah, I'm not sure about the vibration, but for the noise impact, they do, they have provided a noise study and they're showing that they may be able to meet the condition conditionally acceptable levels for the general plan. However, the application is still in incomplete. And in the last round, we did provide some questions and we asked for some further clarifications for the noise levels, especially for this usable open space that's going to face, um, okay. yeah, Caltrain tracks. All right. Uh, I have a couple questions for the uh, 1170, but I guess we'll wait till we get to that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Cerny. Next up is Commissioner Shukla. Thank you, Chair. Um, I have, I think my commissioner, fellow commissioner asked the question about the, um, the explanation for the note one on sheet number 24, and it's about the 15 feet uh, front uh so what are what is the waiver so we are instead of 15 feet we are allowing them to have four feet can uh, you explain this a little bit uh more yeah sure so so typically they need to have a 15 feet landscaping that's after the sidewalk so at the end of the sidewalk to the building they need to have 15 feet but in this case because you know it's a unique circumstance because of the mature redwood trees and the sidewalks they're not able to meet the requirements. And because of the unique situation and preservation of mature trees, we are generally supportive of this requirement, or like this waiver. Oh, okay, thank you. And also I have, so these are the, uh, I have a couple of questions, but which are probably I'm going to ask to the applicant, but I'm going to say it right now so they can, um, you know, when they present, maybe they can uh, explain to it. Mm -hmm. uh, the one was the storage space for the units uh, for every unit, um, there are some requirements and uh, the way I want them to explain to me that how uh, how far certain space and uh, that certain, for the certain units, the storage space is very far. So it's like, how are they going to use that, um, you know, like from the car or for a pedestrian, that's one. And another one is the, uh, the, the quality of the... Uh, the open air bridge, which is going to be connecting to the two units, and um, uh, they will be looking at the uh, back of the train station, the Lawrence station, train station. So I just want to know the uh, the 
the treatment, what they are going to do, and how much it's going to be used. But that's right now the questions are uh, this many, and but then I have some more questions, but I'll wait for them next round once they're presented. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Shukla. Next up is Commissioner Howard. Thank you, Chair. This is just a quick uh, response to Commissioner Cerrone. Uh, the Caltrain electrification project should be completed before this project uh, gets occupied. The light rate, the electric trains are much lighter than the heavy diesel engines that are currently running on the line. So that should improve vibrations uh, further. And I, I don't know this for a fact, but um, as we move towards high-speed rail, there could be further roadbed improvements that mitigate vibrations. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Howard. And my questions were all asked already. So uh, we can now go to the applicant presentation. And uh, so if you'd proceed with that for 1154. Yes, hi. And, and quick question before we get started. Um, do we present and then we can address these questions afterwards? Uh, however you want to do it. Like basically you have a chunk of time for applicant pre for applicant presentation and that can include you can include as part of that responses to things you have heard from commissioners and then after after you finish there'll be another round for commissioner comments and questions in which and if there are questions you can answer them and then we'll hear from members of the public and then we'll go to the next item which is going to be 1170 so we'll get to do it all over again so understood okay Thank you. Um, good evening, Chair Pine and the Sunnyvale Planning Commission. Um, I'm Alexandra Lee with SKS Partners. Thank you for having us here this evening and thanks to Asta for that presentation and for the feedback. Um, joining me here today is WRNS Studio. They're the lead architect on the project as well as GLS. They're the landscape architect on the project. Um, and I am going to hand it over to Adam Woltag from WRNS, and he's going to walk you guys through the project goal and uh, goals and overall vision. So with that, I will hand it over to him. Thank you. Can everybody hear me? Okay, yeah. I see some thumbs up, so that all looks great. And um, I'd like to say just briefly that the presentation we're going to walk through is actually, um, we do walk through both 1154 and 1170, but there's a lot of overlap and things are combined. So I'll try to cover um, 1154 first, I, and maybe we can pause or I can run through the whole presentation together that does kind of... It is easier from a Brown Act perspective, if you if we keep it to stuff that's general and stuff that's that's relative to eleven fifty four, like if it's specific to eleven seventy, we should cover it as agenda item B. Okay, that'll be a challenge, uh, Commissioner, but I'll I'll do my very best. I mean, I'll, I mean, also I don't mind if this app if this presentation goes longer than the second one. Like honest, like I I assume when we do item B, it's going to be shorter. Okay, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. I apologize. We didn't separate it. We thought we were just going to be, we could present to both at the same time. So um, I'll, I'll dive in here and do the best and see if we can, we can find a, a, an elegant way to kind of pause it here. Okay. Okay, well, first of all, thank you so much for your, your time this evening. Looking forward to hearing your comments on the work, on this work session. Um, I think first and foremost, just want to let the commissioners know um, that, that you know how important and how unique this site is. 
uh, Sonora Court. It's an incredibly unique experience where we have those cedar, cedars and redwoods coming all the way to the ground plane. And that's really been a design inspiration for our team and we've really tried to respond to that throughout. I hope you'll, you'll get a chance to kind of see that. And I also wanna let you know that our team has really been aligned with your vision and that has been expressed in the LSAP of, 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 of a vision for Sonora Court that is a vibrant, transit-oriented, um, mixed-use neighborhood. So there's obviously two sites we're going to talk about this evening, 1154 and 1170. Um, there's also tremendous impact here for the good because there are two sites here being presented by this by our team. Um, you know, the, the urban design approach is the same for both sites, for both buildings, how we face Sonora Court and how we address the transit. We, 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 we really try to stick to the same design approach. But architecturally, um, and, and look and feel, we really wanted these buildings not to be identical twins at all. We didn't want them to be the same. We wanted them a few more like kind of distant cousins, um, complementary of, of obviously, um, you know, of what we have along Sonora Court. So Austin did a wonderful job going through uh, the numbers. I think we're all, um, we all understand um, that each project has two levels of below grade parking, supporting three levels of office and four levels of, of residential. But really kind of the key aspects um, we feel of each of these sites, and each of them have something really, really kind of unique and wonderful. And for 1154, uh, happens to be one that it's it's a, quite a long frontage along Sonora Court. So there's a wonderful opportunity to impact that in a really great and positive way. And also the adjacency of this portion of, of the project's corner here, the Northeast corner, and its adjacency to the future loop road proposed in the LSAP. We think there's a wonderful opportunity there to kind of create um, an, a landmark element there. Now, the other element that was really important to the design is the connection to the trees along Sonora Court, as well as connecting those and the experience of those to that along the Lawrence, uh, along the train track, the Caltrain tracks in the Lawrence Station. So the graining of these buildings was very, very important, and how the open spaces um, and these courtyards amplify and support that. So as we start to see here in 1154, the massing is made up of really a larger volume with a south-facing courtyard looking out over the train tracks, as well as a cross-block courtyard that connects the trees of Sonora Court south to the train tracks. You see that kind of large space here in this rendering. Looking at that plan, one of the other key design elements was trying to get residential units, really maximizing this portion of, of, of the elevation to get them as close to the trees as possible. This is a really unique experience here for Sonora Court. Also critical to that are those open spaces that help form the massing. And you'll see here in just a few minutes how those, those open spaces that are really up on that fourth level are able to cascade down and form entrances and the public plazas uh, that define the experience along Sonora Court. So this is, this is a section of 1170, but 1154 is a very similar condition here. And it does start to outline in section the program distribution vertically and also talk about the promise of that courtyard, that upper level courtyard as it terraces down to Sonora Court street level here. This also shows graphically what Oscar was speaking to earlier about the relationship of how the building meets the street. And as you can see, our property line here is about 10 feet from the curb line, and then an additional 25 foot setback to the face of that building 
In that 25 foot setback, we have our sidewalks and we also have our tree protection um, and some of these outdoor spaces here um, that make that make it much more accessible to pedestrians. Also, our entrances to the building are cooled an additional 15 feet away from that, that front setback of our building to create a nicer experience of entering these buildings and also alignment with the LSAT. So looking at 1154 here, speaking a little bit about the architectural character, I want to first thank staff's input. They've been wonderful to work with and, and have given us um, uh, great help in kind of getting the design aligned with your guidelines. And these have really helped enhance the design. Now looking at the facade articulation, 1154 is the larger of these two sites. Because of that, we've, we've provided this cross block opening that goes from Sonora Court to the north, to the Caltrain tracks to the south. And that break divides the elevation of two distinct elements. The element on the right, you see here, uh, which is defined by a very strong base level, a clear separation of that base from the middle and a, and a well-defined uh, eave line above. On the other side of the element, we also refer to it as, a, as the tower, it's this vertical element, which um, carries the brick from the base all the way to the top of the parapet. We think is a very distinctive element will add to a landmark um, experience along Sonora Court. This is a view that looks into the main lobby area. I think Asa shared this earlier, but it shows that cross block courtyard as it spills to the street, defining the uh, residential and our office entry plaza. And this is a view from the south uh, to to uh, from the south from the Caltrain tracks to the south elevation. We've we've continued that architectural expression all the way around the building. I think critical here, obviously, because of the south facing nature of this and wanting to limit the direct exposure of the facade to the Caltrain tracks. This is where we do we have located our residential recreation deck south facing and capture a lot of that sun. And then what you see here is that is the cross block drive. Now, I think I'm gonna have to pause here because we kind of fold into 1170 uh, uh, commissioners and I don't, and I wanna be cognizant and respectful here. So I can kind of hit pause here and we can take some questions there and then we, we can fold back a little bit later to, to discuss 1170 if that works for, for everybody. I, I think that I think that will work fine. Uh, and just looking at the clock, this is not a bad break point just in terms of time allocation anyway. Uh, I was gonna, you, 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 uh, so if you want to jump into any of the responses to previous commissioner questions, we can do, you could, you could do that, or I could rec or I could recognize commissioners for further questions. Uh, I'm happy to address some of the questions that were already, um, posed, uh, commissioner Howe's question about, um, uh, you know, designing the building so it could be converted to condos. I just wanted to say that it will have uh, separate meters, whether it's apartments or condos. So there shouldn't be any issues with the actual architecture infrastructure for the buildings themselves. Um, so I think it, it could have that flexibility later on. Um, Thank you. That comes up, yeah. Um, and then I did want to clarify that the project is a lead gold project um, and it will be all electric. Those are our um, requirements by the city regardless. Um, and that checklist in the plan set will be addressed in more detail when we go through um, building permit review because it gets into specifications and, 
and things like that. But it is a lead gold project. Um, I believe I can also speak to the sound requirements. So um, we do have, uh, you know, higher uh, STC rated windows on all the areas, you know, we did a, a noise study out there. So all the areas that require it, we do have higher rated STC windows, um, as well as a sound wall that protects the open space. Um, so that's how we're uh, addressing that issue. Um, let's see, I might kick it to WRNS um, if you guys can clarify some of the um, storage space and then I believe there was a question about the corridor facing Caltrain. You guys want to take those too. Can commissioners can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay. Uh so I this is Brian Millman um with WNS. Um I think I'll try to address the storage first and Armand from our office might help out a little bit. So um there is some storage for the residential units located in the garage and there is some also I believe well I think 1170 has some on um, on a mezzanine floor of off of the first floor now I would say that um, we often find that um, storage in uh, or adjacent to a garage is a, a is something that is actually done a lot and it is oftentimes very successful because tenants sometimes when they're you know, they're storing elements that they actually have to get there with a car and they have to move things around and it's a little difficult for them and unwieldy to, uh, to, to put it in their, in their apartment or very close to their apartment. Um, so, so the residents would take uh, an elevator down to the garage or when they're driving in, they'd be able to access those storage units. So um, I think that's the, the farthest away uh, is within the garage. Um, but it is something that we uh, commonly see in multifamily uh, rental apartments. Commissioner, do you have a question and follow up on that? Commissioner Weiss? Did... Sure, nice. Commissioner Weiss. Thank you. Um, I, I wanted to clarify, I want you to clarify more of how the shared parking is going to work. Um, because if there are 352 parking spaces, you have 172, say, units and 1154, that leaves 180 for office staff. Um, so if it's shared, what happens if people from the apartment leave their cars in the office area during office hours or is it going to be um, closed off somehow? I mean, it's a good idea theoretically, but I'm trying to figure out how it's going to work practically. Yeah, so we are proposing to use valet operations during business hours. So in the event that, you know, cars need to be reshuffled around to, to get office workers in and out, we will have staff available to do that. Um, we also have our parking consultors, consultants walker consultants on the line i don't know if chrissy is on but she can also give you kind of a brief overview of of you know the proposal for our project sure. in terms of parking hi yes hi and good evening um, planning commissioners yes yeah, so shared parking is 
something that we typically work on in many municipalities. Um, we've at Walker have been using our model. That's the Walker Urban Land Institute shared parking model with the city of Sunnyvale first in the downtown um, area and then for many other developments. Uh, so our model is based on, um, as you may know, thousands of data points in places like Sunnyvale across the country. So we've looked at and studied parking demand in multifamily and office across the country. Uh, we've, we've used that model and localized it for Sunnyvale to project what is the parking uh, requirement necessarily to park this site. And we know that there's fluctuation, there's going to be work from home, um, we've taken that into account. We know that not everyone will own a car or purchase a car. And then there are a lot of transportation demand management strategies that the site will employ, such as unbundling parking, valet, paid parking, bike parking, that will further reduce the need to own a car. It's also located at the Caltrain station. So all of those factors come into play and we model that we think you know, the number of parking spaces they are providing is adequate for the site. And then at the same time, um, you know, we'll use a valet system. So the parking for the residents will peak at midnight and the parking for the office workers will peak during the day. So, you know, it will flow where office workers come in um, in the morning, the residents leave, you know, office workers leave in the evening around six, seven, the residents come home and that's how the shared parking works. Now, if a resident you know, wants to continue to park their car all day long, they'll have those spaces and the, and the valet will just adjust those spaces during the day as needed. Okay, they wouldn't, they wouldn't move, or would they move the resident's car if it's needed for business? Yes, yeah, so the valet would have access to those residents' keys or fobs, so they would be able to move the cars around during the day. Got it. Okay. Um, thank you. That answers my question. Yeah. Thank you. Commissioner Cerrone? Uh, thank you, Chair. I just want to follow up on the question about EV chargers. Uh, will it be 35% of these uh, parking spaces? What is the plan for EV chargers? So I believe the short answer is that we are meeting the reach code for each use listed in our application. We have it divided by office and residential, and then we're going to meet the, the reach code requirements. Um, WRNS, do you want to give some further detail on, on the percentages that are required for each use? Armand, why don't you take that? <laughs> Sure. So in terms of the percentage, 35% um, of the office um, has EV chargers. That counts to 82 um, EV um, charging stations, including ADAs. And we went with, uh, we, we just took it um, as conservative as we could have. So we included EVs in the, in the larger number. So total, it would be 82. Uh, and that applies then to uh, shared parking, I guess, so that the residents could also use that. Is that what you're saying? Yes. In terms of the requirements for the residential, 70% uh, of the uh, residentials, they have to be ready conduits, and then 30%, they need to be 
uh, level two. So in terms of the um, infrastructure, it needs to be there, outlets, but there's not going to be any charging station is not required for residential use. And, and the parking is not bundled. So I, I think just in practice, if um, the, the shared parking model, if you're, um, if you live here, you would come in, let's say you came in in the morning and you needed your car to be charged. You would ask the valet driver to please charge the car and they would charge it um, at some, you know, you'd say, okay, I'm going to be leaving around seven o'clock, 7 PM tonight, going out for dinner or whatever. You would, you would ask the valet driver to plug it into the charger. They would do that. And then after it's charged up, would move it back into a non EV charging space. So it is because it's shared parking, Chrissy could talk a little bit more about it. Like it's shared across the EV charging too, because they're there and they could be used for both. And Chrissy, is that how it would work? Correct. Okay. I have a, a quick slide I can show if you want more clarification. I can also submit that with any responses. Okay, I think that's good for now. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Shukla. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I just want to again um, ask the question about the, the open air bridge which you have between the two towers. Are they going to be covered? Are they going to be open? Like the wind will come? I mean, just curious that is that the is that the bridge going to be used to uh, throw the trash or going to the other, other side? So that's one. And then second one was I also want to respond uh, on the staff question that the tower, Northeast Tower, which is a brick tower which we have, um, it uh, the brick veneer, the whole face. And as long as the treatment doesn't become monotonous, uh, meaning the windows, they are right now, they are not lined up and um, it kind of uh, makes it more interesting rather than making a more like a homogeneous, a big a brick tower. So I hope you uh, make sure that uh, it becomes kind of, um, you know, like a, uh, I'm right now it is uh, not completely harmonious. I mean, it's not completely aligned all the floors. So I think it kind of may create some interesting patterns. So I just wanted to respond that uh, just pay attention to that. And um, uh, so those are my questions and I would just wait for that. Thank you. Thank you. Um yeah, I think WRNS, do you want to address the corridor question? Sure, I can start and maybe Adam, you can you can add. So um, maybe one thing to, to state is that there's uh, only a few units that are access accessing this cor this corridor. I mean, anyone can use it, but um, only a few units actually need to use it. So there's not going to be a lot of people um, walking along that um, that south corridor. Um, it is covered. So uh, the balconies are not open uh, from above. So they are rain protected. Um, there's screening elements that um, would help reduce uh, uh, um, wind and other climatic uh, concerns. We do think actually the view is, um, I, and I understand that you know, you're looking down on the Caltrain, but we think actually the view is going to be really great because uh, you'll be able to see to the uh, to some of the, the mountains and there's a pretty, because of the Caltrain line, there's actually a lot of space to see out. And so we think the experience of um, walking along that will be a very interesting one. Um, so 
don't know, Adam, if you want to add anything to that. No, that was beautifully said, Brian. I, I just wanted to confirm that the commissioner was speaking of 1154 or 1170 oh, on, on that open walkway. Oh, that's true. That's, I was answering on 1170. You answered the question <laughs> you're going to answer next, but I, but maybe more specifically, everything Brian just said applies to uh, 1154 as well. We think, you know, it is covered, it is protected. And the view moving as you're walking, Brian was talking about it, you'll have a view to the south that looks out to the Santa Cruz Mountains, which we think will be beautiful. And you'll also have a view looking down into that cross-block garden space, you know, that, that level four garden space. We think it's going to be a really wonderful experience for residents to move between both, uh, both volumes of that building. Exactly. That's what I was I was thinking about it because when I saw it, I'm like, this can be a beautiful place. People can just come there, but just wanted to make sure that it is still uh, because you know it's like beautiful view, but at the same time it should be some way protected because it can be easily you can jump down. You know, I mean that's just my. It's like both ways. You want visually, so that's one. And then yeah, and then. Um, I have a lot. I have some few questions for the other building. So I think I'm going to wait for that. Uh, the storage space, uh, you answered me, but I saw that in your unit, some, uh, so probably in marketing uh, your rental units, you will be uh, adding that storage space. Um, like some residents would like to have storage space within the building, and you have in some units, and some have the, so I think that's just kind of, a very interesting because I think I I'm sure people are providing it, but like if you have a small space, that means you are bringing it up from the storage space, so you have to plan for it, carrying it. So you know, I just like this is just my thought about it. About multifamily units have all these issues, but anyway, I got some answer. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Shukla. Uh, did, do we have any other commissioner comments before I go to members of the public? Commissioner Howe. Just real briefly, I'd ask what does it look like at the uh, closest portion for the Caltrain um, corridor um, on the ground floor? Thank you. Uh, Commissioner, did you want to just see a rendering of the view or elevation drawing? Covered some time. Um, for example, the other one that the Planning Commission approved, there is a, a connection to Caltrain Station, and there's also a coffee cart or beverage area. And does this have that? That's the question. Um, so the question is, does 1154 have a little retail space? And what does it look like on the ground floor? Yeah, and we can cover that at yeah. 1154. But I would ask that that be um, at least explained. Thank you. Okay, we can uh, we can address that in, in our next um, opportunity to present 1170 then. Okay. I will now open the public hearing on this item and uh, because this is because because of the time I'm going to be limiting this to uh, to to 90 seconds per per person you will have another crack at speaking to 
1170 later if you wish to do so but this is on 1154 and I uh, so if you are a member of the public and you wish to speak to this item which is 1154 Sonora Court uh, please use the please use since you remain a virtual setting please use the virtual raise hand feature or star nine on a telephone to indicate that we wish to that, that you wish to speak City staff will ask you to unmute your microphone when it is your turn to address the Planning Commission. Uh, and yes, yeah, sorry, can we get that timer to 90 seconds, please? Thank you. Uh, and I see one virtual hand, and that virtual hand belongs to Will Smith, 332. Uh, so, Mr. Smith, uh, you will be unmuted, and you will have uh, 90 seconds to address the Planning Commission. Good evening, Planning Commission. Thank you for the opportunity tonight. My name is Will Smith, and I'm a business representative for IBW 332. Um, tonight, I'm also representing <clears throat> as the president of Residents for Responsible Development, um, representing over 10,000 mechanical craft workers in Santa Clara County. Uh, many of those workers and their families live right there in the city of Sunnyvale. Um, my question is for the developers, uh, um, their approach to development and hiring their contractors um, for their projects. Um, typically, uh, there's two roads uh, for development. You can go with high road contractors or you can go with low road contractors. Um, typically, the high road contractors, they support um, livable wages um, and local hiring. So that where it's a community benefit for residents of Sunnyvale, they'll actually be able to live there um, in Sunnyvale and work in Sunnyvale, as well as being committed to apprentice hires. Um, gives youth opportunity to the middle class through, through the trades. So my question for them is if they're willing to take a, a high road approach or they're going to go with low road contractors that export workers from outside of the area and pay below area wage standards and commit wage thefts, um, perform unsafe uh, construction acts. Um, so I'm hoping they're willing to take a high road approach. Thank you, Mr. Smith. And that was the only uh, virtual uh, Nope. Uh, next up is uh, Mauricio Chavez. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. <clears throat> Good evening, commissioners. My name is Mauricio Chavez. I'm an organizer out of local 405 for the Carpenters. Uh, I was chosen to represent over 4,000 members living in Santa Clara County. And I, too, like Mr. Smith, want to speak to the importance of labor standards on these projects being built. Uh, I graduated from high school, joined the Army, came back, started working on union. Um, once I met a woman, she said, you need to do something with your life or I'm gone. So I Googled apprenticeships. I discovered helmets to hard hats, signed up. Two weeks later, I was making more money than I had ever made in my life, working with my hands, building buildings all across the Bay Area, and I continue to do so to this day. Uh, the jobs that are provided through the union provide medical benefits for the entire family. We get a retirement package that's amazing. To We also get 
to use the accredited apprenticeship program, which teaches you things that you would never learn in a class and you build relationships that last a lifetime. And lastly, like Mr. Smith said, the local hire ensures that people who live in the county and the city are able to build where they live and one day show their families, hey, I built that. I did that. Me and my team did that. Thank you and have a great night. Thank you, Mr. Chavez. Uh, I, that was our last public speaker on this item. So uh, if there are any last comments on uh, item 11, on item A, which is 1154, now would be the time. And I think I'll save my comments for till I think the next item. Uh, so with that, let's go to item B, which is item 23-0393 proposed project related applications on a 1.0 acre site. Special development permit to demolish existing office building and construct a seven story mixed use development project, including one 105 residential rental residential units and 79,211 square feet of office space. This is at 1170 Sonora Court, which is two buildings over. Uh, I believe I will just summarize by noting that five commissioners, including myself, have met with the applicant prior on this item because it is the same applicant as the last item. So I don't think we need to have each commissioner individually state that again. Uh, so is there a staff report? Uh, yes, we do have a staff presentation. So 1170 Sonora is the lot which is um, north of Lawrence Caltrain Station and it's smaller of the two lots. This one is 1.08 acres in size. I also want to point out that for both these applications, we have a third party environmental consultant who's currently working on analyzing the compliance of these projects with uh, Lawrence Station Area Plan Environmental Impact Report. Um, so for this project, the proposed density is 69 dwelling units, and the applicant have, um, they proposed to have 15 additional incentive points, which they uh, are uh, going to gain by proposing below grade parking, uh, level two EV charging, bike repair, and street furniture. Um, in total, there will be 105 rental units on this lot, and it would be again a mix of studios, one bedroom and two bedroom rental units, including 16 below market rate units. Again, for this site, uh, this shared parking between residential and office use, they're proposing 207 shared spaces where 270 is the minimum required for the zoning and also the reduced state density bonus law. Uh, for this project, again, the applicants have submitted a parking study prepared by Walker Consultant, and based on the analysis, 207 spaces are required to meet the peak demand of residential and office use. Next, please. So looking at the site plan here, um, so the entrance again for the residential and office would be directly from Sonora Court. We have the driveway, which will lead to below grade parking and also service areas towards the left. To the right is uh, this, you know, uh, they are proposing this unique, um, um, you know, connection that's going to help connect Sonora Court directly with Lawrence Caltrain Station, and this will be publicly accessible. They've been working closely with Caltrain on this connection. 
And at the end of this connection would be a 377 square feet retail space um, that, you know, uh, that will further help in activating this uh, frontage, this connection. Next, please. So looking at the overall layout, uh, the basement level one and two are for the parking spaces, level first, second, and third are for office spaces. On the first floor level, they'll also have the service areas. On the third floor level of the office, there will also be a usable open space for the office, and that will be facing Sonora Court. Residential is proposed on fourth to seventh floor level. On the fourth floor level is also the common usable open space for residents that's oriented towards Sonora Court. And actually orienting it towards Sonora Court helps in um, shielding um, some of the noise that would be from the rail tracks uh, for this usable open space. So it helps in reducing the noise levels there. Um, next, please. So similar to the other project, the proposed architecture style, it can be categorized as modern. And again, they have used a combination of colors, materials, uh, wall offsets, projecting balconies to uh, really articulate the building's facade with a well-defined building base, middle and top. Uh, so the building base again here is defined by glazing and brick veneer. Um, the residential stories, they have projecting balconies and they'll have lap cement siding finishes. The top of uh, floor level will have batten cement siding and the building top is defined by projecting eaves and the soffit will have finishing of composite wood. Uh, next please. So this is the front elevation here and we can see the entrance lobby and um, the office open space at the third floor level and the residential open space on the fourth floor level. Um, uh, the mechanical roof screen is also well integrated within the design. Next, please. <clears throat> um, so this is the facade, which is along the driveway. This will provide access to the below grade parking and also the service areas. Here we can also see there are projecting balconies. These are like at an angle and they also have aluminum uh, screens. Um, that will help in um, adding some visual interest to the facade and also providing some level of privacy to these units. Next, please. So next year we have this facade and this is a facade that's going to be next to the pedestrian, public pedestrian connection. And at the end of the facade, we can see the retail space that's mostly glazed and we also have an angled wall that helps in, um, you know, adding some um, interest there. Um, next, please. And finally, this is the facade that's going to face Caltrain Station. On the <clears throat> residential stories, there will be corridors um, uh, for the residential area. It's an open corridor and it's screened with perforated metal screen. The corridors will be painted, um, finished with stucco and they're proposing green colored stucco. We can also see the retail space on the first floor levels on this facade. Next, please. So here's an aerial view and this is from the driveway side. So here we can see these aluminum screens that are adjacent to the balconies and really adding a visual interest and also providing some degree of privacy. Next please. This is view from the Caltrain rail tracks. We can see the perforated metal screen and also the green painted corridor. We can also see the retail space that's on the side, on the right hand side here. Uh, next, please. 
this is an enlarged view of the retail space and it shows its glaze and some of the details that's going to be there. Next, please. And this is a closer look at the entrance, which shows the lobby area. We can also be, see the usable open space for office. And we can also see those breezeways that are connecting the residential units in the background. Next, please. So again, for this project, the applicants are requesting one concession and three waivers. And the concession is to, uh, uh, to have the office area exceeding the maximum 150 floor area ratio that's permitted by LSAP. Uh, the waivers are, again, in this case, from the 15 feet landscape frontage requirement, the minimum landscape area requirement, and also distance of these individual units to the trash enclosure. Similar to the other application, we are generally supportive of these waivers because of the unique location and site layout and also preservation of mature trees. Next, please. So the project, it meets majority of the objective design guidelines, except these four. Um, so the first two guidelines, they basically um, um, require having 15 feet by 5 feet vertical modules. So even though the project doesn't meet the, top, the first two requirements, it meets the intent of the requirement because, you know, the use of all the materials and projecting balconies, angled walls, they help in breaking um, the facade vertically. Um, for the last two requirements, the project don't meet that requirements. Uh, so one of the requirements is about having at least 18 feet height for the retail space, and the proposed height is 14 feet in this case and then having um, not more than 30 linear feet uninterrupted plan wall. And we'll talk about that in the next two slides. Next, please. So specifically, we request your feedback on the rear elevation. We still have concerns about the blank facade, which is along the edges of this elevation. We also recommend using a more warmer color tone for the open corridor. Uh, next, please. And lastly, we specifically request your feedback on the ground floor facade that's going to face this publicly accessible uh, pedestrian connection. Uh, for this facade, we recommend reducing the blank walls. So the blank walls here do exceed 30 linear feet and we recommend reducing the facades. We also recommend increasing the building plate height to make this, you know, this facade more pronounced. Uh, we also recommend activating the facade more, and this can be done by, you know, a combination of landscaping, having art walls, or some sort of design element that really enhances the pedestrian experience for somebody using this corridor. Um, so this really concludes our presentation. Thank you for your time, and let us know if you have any questions. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, are there any uh, commissioner questions or Questions on the staff presentation? Commissioner Weiss. Uh, Commissioner Weiss, you are muted. Brief question. Uh, looking at the south facade, that is where there's going to be a sound wall. Do you have anything showing how high the sound wall is going to be, how much is going to block of that facade, where it's going to be located? because that that determines a lot and i haven't seen anything in any of the drawings about the sound wall um so i think uh i think the applicant can maybe show it in their presentation but the sound wall is uh, it's like a you know it's it's a cmu wall 
on the edge at the property line and it's going to be eight feet tall. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Stroni. Uh, thanks, Chair. So the, um, uh, this uh, path to Caltrain is, uh, is a great idea. And uh, so I'm glad to see that in there. And the, uh, you mentioned a proposed gate uh, for Caltrain. And I guess you said Caltrain has to approve that. Is it, uh, you know, is there any question that that would be uh, approved? I mean, there's plenty of ways to get around that uh, fence if you want to get to Caltrain. Uh, is there any reason they would not permit that that we can think of? Um they have been working closely with Caltrain and they have provided some comments and the applicant has also been working to you know finalize those details so it's still in the process and they generally you know welcome this idea of having this connection so they seem like you know they are on board generally and there's a gate there is the you know the idea that gate would be closed at night or something like that um I I don't exactly recall, but I remember that, you know, that's, I think that's what it is for, like, it will be closed off, you know, when there's no Caltrain activity, basically. So the retail, I also like the retail there, uh, retail uh, anywhere these days is a, is a treat, but I'm, it really seems like this has to be, uh, would have to be subsidized to be successful. Um, <clears throat> Um, maybe it's too early to even talk about that, but uh, I suppose uh, the owners of the building would subsidize the retail as an amenity for the employees and residents. Is, is that something that's been discussed or? Um, no, we didn't have any discussion about it, but maybe the applicants can, you know, touch on that. Yeah, it's a it's a great idea, but retail is seems to be under uh, uh, stress uh, these days. And I, I didn't I didn't notice. Uh, maybe I missed it. A reference to the solar panels, uh, or even you know the the reach codes require some at least hookup for that, right? Are, are there any solar panels planned? Um, yeah, the reach code does have requirements for solar panels, and we usually don't look at it at this stage, but, you know, at the building building stage. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so that'll take us to the applicant. Uh, uh, okay. That will take us to the applicant presentation, and uh, please, and feel free as part of as part of or subsequent to the presentation to answer any questions you've heard from commissioners, from members of the public, uh, please proceed. Okay, Adam, do you wanna finish your uh, presentation here and then we can address questions? Adam, I think you're muted. Sorry about that. Can everyone hear me now? We can hear you. Excellent. So I'll go ahead and pick up here at 1170. So um, as Offset said, you know, the 1170 site is the smaller of the two sites. And although they're different architecturally in character, the, they still maintain the same urban design approach. 
1170 maintains the same approach as, as 1154. With 1170, you have two distinct volumes that are separated by an open green space that brings you know, daylight uh, and, and kind of a natural landscape area deep into the body of the building. And that cascades down to the to Sonora Court, conforming the entry plaza. You start to see here, um, you know, right in the center of, of the building. Now, the material palette here is warmer, uh, but it still does include a brick base, a clear separation between the middle of the building and the base, um, and then a, a clearly defined kind of top story and an eave line. Um, and again, as, as Asa said earlier, um, the cladding of the of facade is that will be made up of a textured um, cementitious siding panel. So this is a street level view looking toward the recessed entry area. And we'd like to thank staff for all their help uh, on this facade. Uh, they were really instrumental in helping us better define the entrances into the commercial as well as the retail, which is shown here. Both entrances gathered up together under uh, a single canopy, which really um, kind of clearly defines that the, the entry area nicely. We're really, really pleased with how that, that came out. Now, on, on the south side uh, of the building, this is a facade that faces the Lawrence Station. And it's a very, very important facade. And there's a real great opportunity, uh, opportunity here to kind of make something unique, um, iconic, and beautiful. Uh, as 1154 has this landmark corner element, we think that this south facade has uh, the same potential to be a landmark for, for the 1170 site. Now, it's south-facing, so this facade is going to get a lot of direct sunlight. And we think that's a good thing, actually, because we can start to use, as Austin was pointing out, um, recesses and setbacks and the perforated metal screens that you see located here, which we've been thinking of as almost like shutters um, moving along the facade of the building to help amplify that sunlight into shade and shadow and protect residents that are moving along uh, that open walkway between kind of the bookends uh, of this elevation but also as residents may want to access uh, that center element, uh, which is, is defining our amenity spaces there. Now, during the day, sunlight's going to really help amplify the architectural um, opportunity here. But in the evening, the team is really excited about how the back wall, uh, which is recessed off the facade, can be lit. And what you're going to get is a really wonderful kind of green colored light. We love the reference of that color to the street, uh, uh, the trees along Sonora Court. So kind of bringing that color and the effect of light from those from the leaves of the trees of Sonora Court all the way to the train station. So in the evening, we think it's also going to have a wonderful nighttime personality. And we think it'd be absolutely beautiful. as kind of these backlit kind of perforated uh, shutter elements along the facade. And then as we were just talking about earlier, here is uh, the retail element at the south end of the Muse. Um, as you can see here in this, in this view, um, the walls of the retail are pulled back to offer kind of a nice protected cover spaces there. And we think it's going to be a fantastic place to, to wait for a friend arriving on the train or to grab a cup of coffee before you head off to work. We think it'll be uh, a wonderful element to, uh, to the 1170 and to the Lawrence, um, Lawrence Station. Now, turning back to Sonora Court, this is a view from the LSAP uh, of the city's vision for Sonora Court. We couldn't be more aligned with it. I'm showing a very active and vibrant multimodal kind of street here, again, amplified by these beautiful uh, trees along, along the side uh, of, of the street. 
And it, the architecture we feel um, has to do a whole bunch of things to start to support that. So these are views of 1154, 1170s are similar in a sense, but we feel that architecture is starting to support that vision and support the streetscape that the city is intending to, to kind of to have here. But one of the key things that we have to, to, to maintain is obviously protection of those trees along the street. So in order to preserve those, those trees, you can see here in red, we've had to move the sidewalks away from that curb line up against the frontage of each of the buildings. And when the sidewalk meets the edges or the property line, that's where that sidewalk will bend out to meet the curb line. So that happens on both 1154 and 1170. The next element, which is focused on the tree preservation, you see here in this dash yellow line. And so these are, these are indicating our, our tree protection zones. And I think it's fair to say that those zones are increasing the amount of green space that exists there today. Now these zones are also coordinated with automobile and the vehicular, the vehicular access you see here indicated in red, and then the pedestrian access you see to the buildings indicated in, in the magenta color. And then these entrances are, are supported by a continuous low um, site wall you see here in, in, in red. And that wall is not only dedicated to try to preserve and protect those trees, but it's also a wall that allows pedestrians to kind of sit on. And that wall kind of bends around and creates some really wonderful outdoor seating areas and public seating areas along Sonora Court and invites people, residents, and folks using the office building to kind of step outside and enjoy, you know, the sitting under the canopy of these trees throughout the day. And this is a view of what it looks like right now. The sidewalks up against that setback. And again, we'll be increasing the amount of green space in front of each building. And this is a view of what it's going to look like in the future. This is for 1154. And this is the frontage design along 1170. And then finally, we were just, we were just speaking to the muse. Uh, this is a little bit more detail of view of, of that connection off of Sonora Court along the eastern edge of the property line to the to the to the access gateway here along Lawrence uh, station access what you see here on the top rendering is what we're imagining that view would be as you entered from Sonora Court walking along a landscaped wall on on the left um, with some trees planted along kind of the center here to kind of mark moments as you walk along that muse and then of course the view looking from uh, the, Cal the, the Caltrain station back to that retail hill. I can pause right there and looking forward to your questions. Thank you. Uh, Chair Knesset, Commissioner Weiss. Thank you, Chair. Um, my question is for Mr. Waltag. Um, you mentioned for the south facade, the south facing facade, um, that there would be lights at night, if I understood correctly. Um, now I have a couple of, of concerns about this because of the increasing amount of light pollution in our sky and how this would 
contribute to the increasing amount of light pollution. Um, how do you respond to that? No, no, that's a great question, Commissioner. Thank you. Thank you for asking that. The, the design intent of that south facade is really, um, and those screens really help kind of, I think, uh, create that effect. There's a very low level kind of uh, um, wall wash light along that green, that green back wall. So you can imagine if you're walking along that corridor in the evening, you'll have light lighting the surface of that wall, not reflecting out toward the public. So we, obviously we would comply with all the regulations around dark skies um, for the project. Uh, but we think this would be a very low level light. We think it would actually glow as opposed to seeing light kind of focused out toward the, toward the, toward the train area and to the, and to the south. Um, so we feel it's going to be something to be very, very uh, wonderful and beautiful uh, along that along that elevation. How does that apply to a bird safe facade? Because um, in a number of buildings, especially in this area, um, there have been requests to turn off the lights at night, keep the birds from flying into them. And, and you have a lot of trees around these buildings. So how bird safe will that be? I think, I think the area along that edge is going to be, it's going to be quite, um, will be compliant with that. We have had an analysis and maybe I can ask Brian, Milne, do you want to speak to some of the bird safe measures we've already incorporated into the overall yeah, project? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we've been, um, We've been working with H.T. Harvey and our ornithologists and biologists over there to um, help uh, guide us in terms of the how the design is acting respective to the sensitivity of the trees. It's one of those conundrums of we want to be able to see out the building, but we and we want to bring birds close to the building, but not that close because the trees are so close, right? So um, we have been providing some mitigation measures uh, with some of the glazing. In general, the building is, uh, you know, a lot of office buildings out there are all glass, right? And the portions that of this building that are office are not all glass. There are some portions that have a little more glass than others, but they are generally um, kind of a large scale um, punched window. And that was one of the things that was important to not provide just vast amounts of glass. Um, and we are looking at bird safe glazing in some of the areas, especially along the courtyards where, um, and as the building turns corners where glass comes to a corner, um, and all of the lighting on the project will have cutoff lenses. So we won't have any, um, lights that are shining up. There's no intention at all to do any up lighting. And as Adam said, um, you know, we'll be work. we are looking at the south wall in great detail to make sure it is not a. It's not about lighting, light coming out, but a but a gentle glow, um, so that we're not providing attracting birds or or creating uh, light pollution. Does that uh, help? Answer yeah, that okay. that is very helpful. And then I wanted to make sure that I understood um, the reason for one of the waivers for the for the allowance, the waiver for the four feet of landscaping. Um, in front, is that in place to protect the trees? I can, I can maybe address this because I know there's been a lot of questions about it. Um, so I, I think just to, to clarify that the code requires 
15 feet behind the sidewalk. Our projects have 25 feet in front of the sidewalk. So there is a lot of uh, landscape along the frontage. It just so happens that the, the sidewalk needs to move up much closer to the buildings to protect the trees. Um, and that four foot planting strip we have as, as just a buffer so the sidewalk isn't right up against the building. Got it, thank you. Good explanation. Yep. That's all I have, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Shukla. Thank you, Chair. I, it's kind of interesting because I have a question about lighting and this is on the south wall uh, because what you are talking about, the lighting is up at the upper level, highlighting the buildings. I'm, I think we need to have lights when people are walking out on that metal screen because in the night, all offices will be closed. There will not be any light, so it will be dark area. And when they are coming out from the train, and if it's it's like a that walkway could be very dangerous. So I would suggest that maybe we include some uh, street lights into the metal fence, um, very light. So it's kind of um, activating the pedestrian zone um, from the screen all the way to the entrance, rather than having a dark corridor in the night time. So that's my question. Uh, yeah, that's my comment. Thank you. Yeah, I do want to clarify that all of the, we'll have pathway lighting for anywhere that pedestrians need to walk. It's not going to shoot up, but it will light the paths to make it but, safe. But not on the back wall, because when you, uh, it will start from the gate. So when people come out of the train, there is a big blank wall. I mean, if people don't look up, when I, you need to make them feel um, like fear. Fear comes into place when you have a metal screen continuous, like 40 feet going, and it's a 10 feet high. Uh, there is no break, and it's dark because offices will be closed, first two, three levels. So the apartments will have lights on the top, but I would suggest that there should be some lights. Maybe you have to work with them. Um, uh, with the VTA, uh, the train, MTA, uh, the, you know, metro train station, but it would be uh, nice to include some lighting uh, uh, for like, you know, just like highlighting the backside of the screen. So when people are walking behind, because it's a 10 foot, there will be some lights because there won't be pathway lights at that screen, but you know, on the, uh, on the along of, along the backside of the building. So um, are you asking about the Caltrain side of the CMU wall? Yes. Okay. Okay. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, we can discuss that with Caltrain. I think they, they already have lighting at their station, but we can have a conversation with them to, to make sure of course that it's safe for people to get from the station and walk through that pedestrian access yeah. to Sonora Court. Yeah. yeah, because there is the parking right now and, you know, the parking, it can be only two people come out at 10 o'clock and there's like a big wall to walk and just like it would be good to have one if it's included into the metal screen on the top somewhere, like, you know, every 10 feet or something. But uh, then it can like kind of, uh, it can highlight your metal screen at the bottom rather than on the top, you know. But anyway, that's like, I feel that it's important uh, for safety for people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And next is Commissioner Sarani. 
thanks, Chair. Uh, could you clarify the um, the sound wall that uh, was discussed earlier? Uh, for example, the uh, uh, it's a little hard to tell wh where it is on the uh, the rendering you have for the south uh, for the south wall, looking that shows the cars parked there for the tracks does not show a sound wall, right? So I'm trying to clarify for both buildings, there will be a sound wall along the, the full uh, length of the building in both buildings. Yes, so, oh, go ahead. There's a requirement in, in the LSAP, I believe, to put a an eight foot tall CMU wall along those back property lines. And so that's what we're providing with the exception of the connection that, that connects to Caltrain, where there will be a sliding gate and we'll, we will work with Caltrain to make sure that's open during um, Caltrain's operating hours. Okay, yeah. Uh, and that's not in the renderings right now, right? So uh, I guess if we're, if there's any concern about how it looks as the trains are going by, uh, they, you know, they, it will be, they will be seeing a wall really. Um, and then above that, some of the, they won't really see the first level. That's, uh, that's partially correct. The wall will be eight feet tall. I believe the first floor of the office is around 14 feet. Um, but remember also that the Caltrain, uh, is elevated a bit. So, you know, I think they will get a pretty good view of the building and the different massing and the open space. I mean, it won't just be exclusively um, CMU wall. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. And I just had kind of some more general comments. I'm generally pretty pleased with the architecture of both of these buildings, really. I, th I when we discussed the LSAP, when we talked about the LSAP back when we were adopting it a couple of years ago, I had some comments about wanting to make sure that like, as you're kind of training into Sunnyvale from the South, you have some, you actually have some nice architecture to look at. You're just, not, you're not seeing just these kind of nondescript offices. And I think this will move us strongly in that direction of having a good entryway to Sunnyvale from when you're coming, when you're coming northbound on the Caltrain. Uh, I do think that, I, I'd echo the comments about making sure that the that the area that pedestrians are going to be in when they're deboarding Caltrain, including the path, is is well lighted. I was actually I did actually walk by that area kind of at dusk, I think it was last week sometime, and I noticed and I did notice that the actual Caltrain part of that was seemed pretty well lighted. I didn't explore it in too much detail. The Sonora Court Act. Part did actually the Snor Court Roadway was actually pretty dark, but uh, uh, regarding the uh, uh, regarding the kind of blank surfaces, I do think staff has a very good point in that it would be nice to get just a little more art or or something just to kind of enliven it in general. In general, if whenever we can have the opportunity for more public art, I think that's a good thing. Uh, so, uh, at, I, I really like the, I really like the retail. I've noticed that like, I've, 
it would frankly be nice if if there's if there was more retail immediately next to Caltrain stations for when you're stuck waiting when you're stuck waiting for one. I'm like I was I can I was dealing with Caltrain this weekend and it would have been nice given some of the delays they've been have they've had this weekend. But uh, the but and echoing what Commissioner Soroni said earlier, we I know that retail is kind of a struggle these days. So but it, so attempts to include it in areas where it's called where it would be very useful is are really really appreciated. Uh, the, and I also, again, I, I'm glad that we're keeping most of the redwood trees. And I know that I said this the last time we had a project on Sonora court, but it is very, but it is a really great aspect of that landscape there. And it's very much appreciated that we're trying to preserve that as much as possible. Commissioner Howe. Yeah. Chair, is this the time for a final comment? I guess I, I got out of order. He, he, I was trying to kind of cue that up by giving my comments. So there you go. If I may, um, just briefly, I think it's a well thought out project that shows that um, the staff and the developer has worked well together to meet the plan that Sunnyvale has envisioned for that area. Congratulations on a well thought out project. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and any other comments from commissioners? Uh, Commissioner Shukla. Yes, I'm going to echo the same thing. It's it's beautiful project, and um, it's thought out on, in every way. Keeping all the trees and pedestrian path is the the uh, uh, like enlivening the whole area. That's the way we have vision. So that is a really good idea, and hopefully retail will come back and it will thrive. Hopefully, let's cross uh, let's cross our finger. But it's a great great project. Thank you, staff. Thank you, our staff and the applicant for, uh, you know, working and uh, presenting beautiful projects. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, seeing no other commissioner hands, uh, I will go to, uh, I will go to members of the public. Since you remain in a virtual setting, I will ask the public to use the virtual raise hand feature or star nine on a telephone to indicate that they wish to speak. Uh, city staff will ask you to unmute your microphone while it is your turn to address the planning commission. And we're going to keep this to 90 seconds, especially because we'll have a, another opportunity for public comment right around the corner when we open the pub, when we go to the public hearing section of tonight's festivities. Uh, city staff, do we have any members of the public wishing to speak on this item, which is item B1170 Sonora Court? Not at this time, Chair. Thank you. In that case, uh, we'll ask call for any just last comments on this uh, on this project. If not, uh, I will adjourn the study session at uh, seven forty-two p.m. And I'm unless anybody desperately needs a break, I'm going to just jump right into the public hearing because I anticipate it being a very short public hearing. Do it. Uh, okay, uh, this meeting of the Sunnyvale Planning Commission is called to order at 7.42 p.m. Before we get started, I'd like to remind planning commissioners of some procedural items for this meeting. During the meeting, commissioners and participants should remain muted when not speaking. 
If commissioners or participants have a question or comment, please use the raise hand feature. Speakers will be called upon to speak one at a time. A random order voice vote will be administered by city staff for each vote. A planning commission meeting is being conducted using teleconferencing and electronic means as allowed by government code subdivision 54953E and resolution number 1089-21. We are from February 7th, 2023. Members of the public may provide audio public comment by connecting to a teleconference meeting online or by telephone using the raise hand feature to request to speak. That's star nine on a telephone. Automatically generated captions are available to viewers accessing this meeting via Zoom. Captions can be displayed or hidden using the live transcript button. Teleconference meeting details are available on the Planning Commission meeting agenda. Comments on matters not on the agenda must be submitted prior to the time the chair calls the item for oral communications. Comments on agenda items must be submitted prior to the time the chair closes the public hearing on the agenda item. Speakers are requested to keep their comments no more than three minutes and time limits will be enforced. Guidelines are posted on the Planning Commission meeting agenda. Stay staff, may we please have the roll call? Commissioner Wise. Present. Chair Pine. Present. Commissioner Shukla. Present. Commissioner Howe. Present. Commissioner Cerrone. Present. Commissioner Howard. Present. We have six commissioners present and Vice Chair Iglesias with an excuse absence. Thank you. That brings us to oral communications. As a reminder to the public, please raise your digital hand or dial star nine on a telephone if you wish to address the Planning Commission on a topic that is not on tonight's agenda. City staff will ask you to unmute your microphone when it is your turn to address the Planning Commission. City staff, do we have any members of the public wishing to speak under oral communications? Not at this time. Oh, we have one hand raised at this time. Yep. Uh, first up will be Bhavya Krishnan. Uh, followed by Mugda S. Uh, Bavia, you will be unmuted, and when you are, you will have three minutes to address the Planning Commission under all communications. Hi. Um, hello, Planning Committee. My name is Pavia Krishnan, and my group and I are part of a youth organization that's dedicated to creating changes regarding waste in Sunnyvale. We wanted to speak to the Planning Committee regarding a subject outside of the agenda in favor of initiatives similar to the City Council study DPW 2003, which advocates for recycling and composting facilities in Sunnyvale parks and other public spaces. We believe this will create an opportunity to recycle in public spaces with municipalities can capture more materials for recycling, creating and supporting a culture recycling and demonstrating the value of recycled materials. As a city, Sunnyvale has the opportunity to lead efforts to reduce garbage from going to the landfill. And as students, we wish to express our passion and interest in the installation of such initiatives and would provide the youth with abilities to engage in more environmentally friendly practices. And we wish to bring this to the attention of the committee. I wish to ask the other three representatives of our organization, Mukta, Linda, and Ariel, to have a chance to briefly convey their perspectives as well during this time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, next stop is Moog.S followed by Linda Chang. 
Hi, so no matter where you are in the world, parts will always be a place where people are building relationships with each other. Whether with a picnic on the grass, a potluck at the wooden tables, or an overprepared mom who bought a bunch of stuff for her kids in case they get hurt, people are always throwing away their trash. This is why ensuring that they have access to more recycling bins will make an astronomical difference in how waste is generated. By putting more recycling bins into parks, people can get the opportunity to not only have fun and relax, but also to build their way towards a better future. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next up is Linda Chang, and I don't have any other hands at this time, so... Uh, yes, thank you. Building off of what Magda said, um, this initiative is crucial in making worldwide progress towards a cleaner Earth. While it will only affect Sunnyvale as of now, our city will be able to set an example for the rest of the world in terms of sustainability and effective waste management. The results of the study will also allow for a more accurate view into just how much sorting trash impacts the environment. Um, I think Ariel would like to continue. I don't know if she raised her hand yet. I do not have any other hands. So if you want to speak on oral communications, uh, you need you need to either raise your hand now or dial star nine on a telephone. I, I cannot recognize somebody if they're not indicating a wish to speak. Um, okay, I can go for her then. Even though this seems like a small project now, it could also benefit many people in the future. The future of waste management depends on the generations now. Current generations will learn a sufficient amount of knowledge on recycling from ideas such as DPW 2003, Later on, that mindset will also be given to the next generation, leading to more projects such as these, and also a reduced carbon footprint. The future of Sunnyvale depends on us. Thank you. And since seeing no other virtual hands, I will close oral communications. Uh, that brings us to our consent calendar. Since we remain in a virtual setting, I will ask my colleagues to use the virtual raise hand feature that they indic to indicate that they wish to speak. Say staff, do we have any members of the public wishing to speak on a consent calendar item? Not at this time, Chair. Thank you. Uh, I'll ask, now ask for a motion from my colleagues. Commissioner Weiss. I move approval of the consent calendar. Commissioner Howard. Second. As city staff, please conduct a random order voice vote. Commissioner Cerrone? Yes. Chair Pine? Yes. Commissioner Howard? Yes. Commissioner Wise? Yes. Commissioner Shukla? Yes. Commissioner Howe? I abstain. The motion passes with five yeses, one abstention from Commissioner Howe and Vice Chair Iglesias absent. Thank you. And uh, what is the fate of the project that we just approved in item 1B? It's appealable within 15 days uh, to the city council. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, so, the, and public hearings, general business, there is none tonight. A standing item consideration of potential study issues. Don't have anything there. Non agenda items and comments. Commissioner comments. Since you're a man of virtual setting, I will ask my colleagues to use the virtual raise hand feature to indicate that they wish to speak. Of any non agenda item comments items or comments from commissioners. Commissioner Howard. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I think before the meeting, we're kibitzing, and it was noted that perhaps the this is the last virtual meeting for the Planning Commission, and our next meeting will be at the City Hall. And if that's the case, I figured I'd repeat that for the public record, because I think that's very exciting. 
and I look forward to seeing you all. And uh, Commissioner Howard beat me to the punch. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm actually quite excited for that. Um, uh, can I expect a revised edition of the chair script just because I, I know the one Mayor Klein's been using for council meetings has some differences and I know, and I think there's going to be some necessary modifications when we're back in person. Yes, there will be some modifications to that script. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's very useful, but I, and so I was hoping, so I'm glad I won't have to be like improv the in-person parts. <laughs> <laughs> we won't make you do that. <laughs> and I was just going to say here, and they, they may have dropped off the call already, but to the members of the public who spoke earlier, I would just encourage you to also speak to like the Parks and Recreation Commission, because if you're asking for stuff to happen, parks, that is much more of their purview than it is ours. Uh, with that, city staff, do you have any non-agenda items or comments? Well, y'all beat me to the punch. Um, <laughs> and I tell you that we have our first hybrid meeting on March 27th. Uh, hopefully it'll be at the new city hall. If um, not quite yet, it might be over at the uh, Washington Swim Center, but we'll get that confirmed uh, shortly. All right. Thank you. Uh, that uh, brings us to adjournment. Uh, so this meeting of the Sunnyvale Planning Commission is adjourned at 7.52 p.m. And I'd like to thank everyone for your participation in tonight's meeting.